0: what up everybody it's me adrian i'm back um this intro is gonna be real quick if you guys want me to answer some questions you can either hit me up on instagram at Punch in the mouth official or on twitter which is give me one sec i can't remember my twitter handle
1: And I don't have it
0: open, give me one second. I believe it's PITM underscore official, but I'm not sure. Hold on. No, it's official underscore PITM. Or you can always email me at punch in the mouth official at gmail.com. Again, you can always put a comment in one of my posts on Instagram. If you have a question, use the hashtag PITMQuestions. Or you, you can use the hashtag again. My Instagram is punch in the mouth official. For Twitter, it's official underscore PITM. Or you can use my email, official at gmail.com. And use the hashtag PITMQuestions. Alright guys, I'll see you later. Enjoy the show. Episode 30. Going on up, going on up, going on up. Alright guys, deuces. What's up, everybody? Are you guys ready? I'm back. We're back. Let's get into this mother effort up in here. So, my guy Darren Till, he didn't come through. He didn't come through. I still believe Darren is probably one of the best. People want to see him down at 170. I honestly don't. I think he's good at 185. People are saying he's on the small side. Was in BJ Penn. I mean even I'm like, well you didn't look lost against Robert Whitaker on the ground. I will give Derek Brunson this. He's way better on the ground than Robert Whitaker is. But he'll just look lost. I don't know what to say about that until I found out that he went into the fight with an injury that his coach wanted him to pull out, but he didn't want to pull out of so. I don't know what to say to that word to say, no, the coach should have pulled him out, or good on you, Darren, you're a real fighter, we'll see you when you get back, because now he's on a three-fight losing streak. Well, I don't know, man, but I still think the future is very bright for Darren Till. We'll see what happens when he comes back. I don't know what the recovery time on it is going to be. Probably eight months to a year. Because it's completely torn. I believe he tore his ACL. So we'll see, man. But in the meantime, let's see what else went on. we are talking about Till versus Brunson. This happened last week, right? Not last week, two weeks ago, but there was no fights last week. That's why there was no show last week. Plus, I was really sick. So Derek Brunson beats Darren Till, Rear Naked Choke. Tom Aspinall beats Sergei Spitback. TKO. Alex Morno beats David Zawada. Khalil Roundtree beats Modestus Bukak... And Patty Pimlet beats Luigi Vendimini. That Khalil Roundtree, man. That's a scary technique, right? The oblique kick. Because like, you're stepping on the side of their knee pretty much and hyperextending their leg. The dude went down in pain. Alex Morno versus David Zawada. Crazy fight. Alex Morneau wins. And then. I'm telling you guys. This guy's the new Conor McGregor. Patty Pimlet beats Luigi Verdamini. This guy is the man bro. He took shots. Like the only criticism I could give him. Is that he holds his chin up really high. And I was talking to somebody. And they're like. Well he does that still with like. He has. I wanna say he's like fifteen and two or something like that. I'm gonna check it out for you, but I wanna say he's fifteen and two.
1: And he's still doing that.
0: That's what they he's seventeen and three, sorry. And people are like, he's still doing that? What I mean by he's still doing that is he's holding up his shin. And I guarantee you he's only doing it because he hasn't been caught or hurt. I'm pretty sure he's been tagged, but since they don't hurt him, he doesn't care. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But we'll see, man. I'm really excited to see what's next for Patty the Batty Pimblet. And his partner, Molly McCann. When I say partner, I mean training partner, Molly McCann, also took home the victory. So all in all, the Brits almost went undefeated. Until Derek Brunson had something to say about it. What's next for Brunson? Honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. It should be a no-brainer. Derek Brunson should fight Jared Cannonier because Paulo Costa is gonna fight Marvin Vittori October 23rd. Robert Whitaker and Asia are gonna fight at some point in 2022. Edmund Shabazzian has a fight booked. And then I understand like. Because my way of thinking. It's very easy right. Because I'm not the one that has to go through a training camp. And stuff like that. But the way I see it is. So Derek Bronson. He's beat Kevin Holland. Who's number 13. But at the time he was higher. Number 10. He's number 14 actually. He beat Edmund Shabazian, who's number eleven, and then he beat Darren Till, who was number six, but he's number four now. So he still had he was he's lost to Robert Whitaker. He's lost to Israel Adesanya. I believe him and Marvin have never fought. I believe him and Jared have never fought, and I, I believe him and Paulo never fought. Okay, what's going for Derek right now is that Paulo and Marvin are booked, and Sean Strickland is booked to fight Luke Rockhold November 6th at UFC 268. So, my point of telling you all of this is. Derek Brunson is in a position where he can put himself in a better position by giving the UFC no other option than to give him a title shot. Because right now they say, well, you lost to Robert, so we don't really have to give it to you. Paulo just won. You should fight Jared. Win that fight. And possibly, if Paulo wins, call out Paulo instead of asking for a title shot. Because right now it's very unclear. Like, you have to make it clear for yourself. Like... I know it's very easy, I'm telling you to fight all these fights, because there is the possibility you lose, right? But you wanna make yourself stand out like look, I already beat all these guys. I am the only guy left. I already beat it. That's what Robert Whitaker did. He he went he fought Darren Till. He was gonna fight Paulo Costa, but Paulo pulled out. He fought Jared Cannonier, and then he ended up fighting Kevin Gastelum. After Derek Henry because Paulo pulled out, so Robert put himself in the position like, yo, I beat all these guys, give me the next title shot. Derek, sh- in my opinion, should do something similar to make himself stand out because right now you have Paulo, Marvin, Derek, and Jared all vying for a title shot. Again, that's very easy for me to say because I'm not the one that's putting my body through a training camp. I'm not the one that has to be away from him. You know what I mean? So I get where these fighters are coming from. But in my perspective, if they really want that shot, they have to do something to get it given to them. Like, again, like right now it's a mess because you got Paulo, Jared, Derek, and even Marvin all gunning for it because it's Roberts right now. For Darren Till, he love brother. You'll be back. He could fight Chris Weidman when they both come back. See, see what's up there. I'm Aspinall. Let's see what's up for Tom. The UFC rankings are opposite, bro. So he just beats Spivak, right? He's number 11. I would want to see him fight Augusto Sakai. I want to see if Augusto has figured out the ground game. Because I know Tom would exploit that. So I would want to see him fight Augusto Sakai. We shall see. We shall see. Okay. Let's move on to this weekend's fights, bro. Are you guys excited that we're back? I'm excited. Anthony Smith takes on Ryan Span. Young Kuteleba takes on Devin Clark. Ariana Lipstick Lipsky Lipsky, sorry Lipsky. Takes on Mandy Pujolm. And Joaquin Buckley takes on Antonio Arroyo. Joaquin Buckley, remember? I couldn't remember his name last time. The guy with the KO, but that's his name. Joaquin Buckley. I got Anthony Smith. And I'm going to go with Kutislava because that guy's crazy, bro. So I'm only going to pick three fights. I'm going to pick Buckley, Smith, and Kutislava. I can't wait to see the face off for Kutislava. Yeah, there's not a lot of big names on this one. Because you got Armin Tra- Kuzian and Cristianos Diagos. Yeah, I don't know a lot of these names, but this should be good, bro. The old Raquel Pennington coming back. She's fighting Penny Kianzad? Kianzad? Don't sleep on these fights just because the names aren't there. That doesn't mean they're not good fights and the names won't be there in the future. And then the following week is the big one. Brian Ortega versus Alexander Volkanovsky. And the people's main event, Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. I cannot wait for this. The whole main card. I can't wait for UFC two hundred and sixty-six. I had to think about it because the October one's free, so I had to think about it. And Nick Diaz's training partner Martin Sano Jr. is fighting Matthew Simlesberger, so I want to see that. Arzino Rosenstrike is fighting Curtis Blades. Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Alexander Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega. Bro, tell me you guys aren't excited for UFC 266. I'm trying to get an interview scheduled with Henry Gracie. I don't know if it's going to happen. I reached out to his school today. So let's see if that happens. But let's go back to this week's fight. The reason I picked R- Anthony Smith. To be Ryan Span is the cardio and the toughness. Because um, I feel that Ryan Span could probably knock Anthony out with one hit, but Anthony will keep coming. And even if he hurts him, he'll keep coming and coming and coming until he wins. And then I pick Ian Kutislava because that dude is just crazy. I can't wait for the face. He might try to fight them while they're announcing their names. I just like that guy, bro. And Joaquin Buckley, I know he's got something to prove after his last KO loss. To Del Chico. Against Antonio Arroyo. So we'll see what happens. We also got the return of Bellator and the debut of the Soldier of God, Joel Romero. Aren't you guys excited, bro? The main card: you got Joel Romero versus Phil Davis. You got Niem Gracie versus Mark Linenmager. Ale, Alejandra Laura versus Diana Burnett. Georgie Kanahayan versus Sal Rogers. Is this Sal Rogers guy the guy from the Ultimate Fight? I'm gonna check this out. Hold on. Hold on. Let's check this out together. It's it is! Oh my god! So this guy this guy Georgie Kanahayan is fighting. He was on The Ultimate Fighter, Team McGregor versus Team Uriah. And he made it all the way to the finals. But something happened with his visa issues that he couldn't get into the country. Or like he did something. And he never got into the country or something. Look, it's right here. Sal Rogers issue statement on visa mishap, apologizes for missing Tough 22 finale. Oh my gosh, traveling can be a bit tricky, especially when you get down to the fine print. It happens, but when you're fighting for a six-figure contract and a chance to compete in the Ultimate Fighting Championships, you should probably know better. For Sal Rogers, who ravaged the competition on The Ultimate Fighter 22, turn a spot. In the 155 pound finale. Opposite te- teammate Artem Lobov. At the Edgar vs. Mendez event. He learned the hard way.
1: Wait what? No but he was. At least I think he was.
0: Oh yeah, Edgar versus, M- I read that, so I was right. It's because Frankie Edgar fought Chad Mendes, but I read that thinking that it was they were saying Team Edgar versus Team Mendes. But no, this was Uriah Faber versus Conor McGregor. The 26-year-old Englishman failed to properly fill out v- the visa application and was subsequently unable to face Lobot at the Top 22 finale. Las Vegas and then he goes on I am extremely sad to confirm that the reports about me being out of the tough finale are true I failed to provide the correct information on my visa application and due to this I was unable to secure the correct visa and in, thi- in the timeframe needed for the finale fight this is not done with any malice or devious intent but nevertheless, it was my mistake and I accept the consequences. Firstly, I'd like to apologize to the TUF and UFC team for all the work they put into me over the last few months. I'd like to also apologize to Artem for not being able to participate in the fight and a huge apology to everyone who shown me love and support through it all. I can assure you that it's not going to stop me from achieving my dreams and I'll use this experience to come back stronger than ever. This isn't the last of me by a long shot. So don't sleep on me just yet. It's the Sal business. So as far as I know, he never fought in the UFC after that. Yes, Sal Rogers cut by UFC after recent mishap. So, so, this guy, I cannot, now I really want to see this fight. Because he was running through everybody, bro. Running through everybody. I'm telling you, he probably would have took out Artem. He's fighting Georgia Kanahayan.
1: They're the featured
0: prelim. Can't wait. Can't wait. Should be good. Should be good. UFC 269 There's rumors that UFC 269 will be a three title fight card. They've already announced Amanda Nunes will fight Juliana Pena because remember Amanda tested positive for COVID. They were supposed to fight back in August but she tested positive for COVID so they're rescheduling it for UFC 269 for December 11th. Rumor that Alexandre Pantoja and Brandon Moreno will fight for the flyweight title. So Brandon would defend his title. Also rumored. What was the other one? Oh. Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira will headline the event. Those are the rumors, right? So right now, here's what they've already announced. Amanda Nunes will fight Juliana Pena. Cody Garbrandt will make his flyweight debut against Kai Kaikara, France. Gillian Robertson will fight P- Priscilla Cachiria. Kachir- 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 that's the girl that Mari Yamasaki said, be a warrior against Valentina Chevchenko for anybody wondering. Montana De La Rosa will fight Macy Barber and Randy Costa will fight Tony Kelly. Remember that, be a warrior. I was trying to let her be a warrior. Mara, she could have died. She could have died. But you were letting her be a warrior, bro. I'm excited for the end of the year you know what's kind of stressing me the heck out though bro is that they're going to raise the prices again that is stressing me out I wish they wouldn't like I'm already thinking about getting rid of Fight Pass because they're about to raise the price for ESPN Plus that is stressing me the heck out I know it shouldn't, but it is. It is stressing me out. So,
1: let's go back over here.
0: Okay, I know I already talked about Patty Pimlet a little bit, but do you guys believe me when I tell you that this guy is gonna be the the next big star? I mean, the dude has it all. Like, people make fun of his haircut, but the guy has it all. He goes, did you guys hear what he said when he was walking out the kitchen? He goes, boom, how do you like me now? How do you like me now? How do you like me now? Dana, 50 Gs. Does he sound cocky? Yes. Can he fight? Hell yeah, he can. I'm telling you, this guy's next. He keeps winning that way, the way he talks. Did you guys know he turned down the UFC twice? Because he's like, I'm not ready. You know who else did that? You know who else did that? This guy named Yuri Prochaska. You guys know who that guy is? That guy is on the cuff of fighting for a world title. For those who don't know, he's the backup. In case anything happens to Jan Brakovich or Glover to share October 30th. He's ready to go. From what I've heard. If you guys didn't know that. But if you did, good on you. But... I'm telling you, this Patty the Batty guy, he seems to know what he wants. This dude's got so much popularity that he's got Sean O'Malley willing to fight him, and they fight two weight classes apart. Sean O'Malley is another interesting one, right? Because I heard he has three fights left, and he wants to get paid his worth because he knows he's a big star. So he's got three fights left. He's going to fight the remaining fights out of his contract and then see what's up. We're going to talk about Francis later. Francis is a very interesting story. Very similar, but it's very interesting. Patty the Batty Pimlet. I wouldn't be surprised if they give him a top 15 guy. As a matter of fact, I wanted to show you I wanted to share this with you. We're going to go. Connor McGregor. What did you guys hear about that? He got into like a scuffle with Machine Gun Kelly. First of all, Conor would destroy Machine Gun Kelly. I'm just letting you know. He would destroy him. destroy him. Destroy him. Destroy him. I'm really excited, guys. If you can't tell. I'm really excited to be back. That you're here with me. Or you're not physically here with me, right? But if you're listening to this, you're with me.
1: Anyway, what I wanted to share with you guys is. How
0: many fights did it take Conor to get a title shot? And I'm only talking about how many fights it took him until he fought Chad Mendes because that was his original title shot.
1: All right, ready? Let's see. One,
0: two, three, four, five. It took Conor five fights before he fought for a title. I'm counting when he fought Chad Mendes because that was his original title shot. He would have fought Aldo if Aldo didn't get hurt. So my point to you is... I could see Patty fighting a top 15 guy next. Let's see who's in the top 15. He's got the experience. I said his record earlier. I kind of forgot it already. But I believe I said he was 17 and 3. Let's see who's in the top 15. Where did I put it? he is 17 and 3 I had it right there I have it right here UFC rankings I didn't give you guys the predictions for the Bellator card huh? so I got excited because of Sal Rogers I'll go back I'll go back right now but going back to Patty the Batty. Have him fight Tiago Moises, bro. Please. What, they, what they're probably going to make him do is fight Guram Kutislaev, who is a training partner of Hamza Chimayev because they had a little bit of, of a scuffle. So Guram Kutislaev versus Patty the Betty, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Would you? Because I wouldn't. So going back to the Bellator fights, I get too excited. I apologize. I'm picking Joel, the soldier of God, Homero. I'm picking Niem Gracie. And I'll pick Alejandra Laura. And then I'm picking Sal Rogers. What a great
1: fight. What a great fight. What a great fight.
0: So, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Patty the Betty fight a top 15 guy next. I can't confirm to you guys because his manager told me as much. Alex Pereira will fight Andreas Mihaly this. Mihaly, yeah. Yeah, that's his name Mihaly this the Spartan at UFC 268. Do you guys understand how stacked UFC 268 is without that fight? And the people that are in the know just know how much value. For those who don't know, Alex Pereira owns two knockout victories over. Israel Adesanya
1: in kickboxing, right? But
0: still, okay, ready, ready. Look, they're already put it right here. Kamar Usman will take on Colby Covington. This is all for UFC 268. Rose Namajunas will take on. Wei Li Jang or Yang Wei Li. Justin Gaethje will take on Michael Chandler. Sean Strickland will take on Luke Rockhold. Frankie Edgar is fighting Marlon Chito Vera. Edmund Shabazian is fighting Nasudin Imolav. Alexa Kamur is gonna fight John Allen. Alaya Quintus fighting Bobby Green. And then they just announced Shane Burgos fighting Billy Corrantello Quar- And then Alex Perra is fighting Andreas Mihalidis. Bro, what a fight card! I cannot wait, and I'm going to not fest the day before. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa wait, what happened here? So Irene Aldana is no longer fighting Jermaine and me, because she whack. She, she. I, I had no idea that was happening until I read that right now. So Irene Aldana was supposed to fight Jermaine and me, That fight is no longer happening because Jermaine withdrew due to injury. Still, the card is stacked beyond belief. It's probably the best fight card the UFC's ever put together. That Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje. Now, I want to ask you guys a question because I was talking to this about with somebody the other day. So, we have... Nate Diaz, who fought Leon Edwards in a five-round fight, right? Nick Diaz is going to fight Robbie Lawler in a five-round fight. They, both those fights weren't co-main event or main event fights, and they were five rounds, right? My question to you is, shouldn't shouldn't have Chandler versus Gaethje been five rounds? Because somebody at the UFC did confirm to me that it's a three-round fight. It's a three-round fight. What I asked them was, give me one sec. What I asked them was, were there any talks of it being five rounds? And they couldn't tell me. But my question here is, my question here is, with the following that Chandler has, The following that Chandler and Gaethje have, it should have been in their styles. It should have been a five round fight. Like, come on, bro! It should have been a five round fight. Oh, and I guess Irena Aldana is still gonna be on the card against a, a to be determined opponent. Um, but going back to Kobe Covington, I mean not Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. This, should have been, this meets all the criteria of being a five-round fight. They both have a huge following. They both have fan-friendly styles. If you're going to tell me Michael Chandler isn't fan-friendly, you're wrong. Like, you're just straight-up wrong because that dude is awesome. I like everything about him. I like the way he speaks. I like the way he promotes himself, the way he'll promote his opponents. Like, did you not read what he said the other day? I'll read it to you. He said uh, something along the lines that I won't be the first one to take a step back or something along those lines. I'm looking for it right now to tell you that.
1: But like this guy's ready to go to war. Like these two guys are ready to go to war, bro. So why not make it five rounds?
0: I couldn't find it. If I find it, I'll post it later, but he essentially said, he's like, I promise you, I won't be the first one to take a step back because people are saying that Chandler's crazy. if He's going to go in there and try to brawl with Gaethje because that's Gaethje style, I guess, but Point being, this fight should have been five rounds. I don't understand why it's not. So my question to you is, with a large following, with a well names that both these two gentlemen have, sh- should there be more five-round fights, even though they're not main events? You can email me at in the mouth of official at gmail.com against... Again, punched in the mouth. Official at g at gmail dot com. Let me say that again. Punched in the mouth. Official at gmail dot com. Because there are fights out there that okay, you want to put them on this card that they could still be five rounds. Um, I'm telling you, like I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Pereira starts. Destroying everybody, and they want to see him in a five round fight sooner rather than later. We'll see, man. We'll see. Let's get into some current events. Are you guys ready? Well, let me look at my notes, see what's up. Oh, no, no, okay, okay, okay. Let's talk about AJ McKee real fast. So, we all know that AJ McKee is in what we call the Champions Clause, meaning that his contract with Bellator is basically up, but because he won the belt on the last fight of his contract, his contract automatically gets extended for three fights or a whole year. What I don't know is if it's retroactive, meaning because he won it on July 31st, 2021. If he doesn't fight within that time frame three times and doesn't decides not to resign, if by the time July 31st, 2022 comes around, he's automatically out. So, for example, let's say he goes, he fights once in December, and then once in April, and he still doesn't want to resign, he just waits it out until July 31st. I don't know. What I do believe his next move is going to be is he's going to go and try to fight for the lightweight belt. Because the vibes I'm getting from Bellator is they want to keep AJ and they want to make him into a pay-per-view star. The problem is, the problem is, we know where the best talent is, unfortunately. The best talent is in the UFC. Bellator has tried to do this pay-per-view thing. It does not work out for them because people have the mindset of the best talent is in the UFC. Why am I going to waste my money on this? Unfortunately, that's the sad truth. There are good fighters in Bellator, but are they the best? I I can't even say that because I also know that the best for right now is the UFC. Now, if these fighters start smartening up and they start saying, no, nah, well, let me add on my contract. I'm going to go trying to make money somewhere else. Talking about that, Ariel put out a story. Not a story, but he put out an Instagram post talking about a new league. Let's see what he says. Okay, this is what it says. Breaking news. According to sources, a number of influential industry individuals have come together to create a new MMA league that is structured more like the NBA, NHL, NFL, Rather than your typical MMA promotion, this new league will also include an athlete association that implements a CBA with 50-50 revenue share guaranteed contracts, health insurance, career-ending insurance, and a pension plan. The plan is to announce the venture in the coming days, I'm told. They are hoping to launch in 2023. (sighs) Okay. Didn't PFL try to do this, though? Like, didn't they? I hope this is good news because this all comes back to the problems that, for one, AJ has. I believe John Jones is going through the same thing that he feels that he's being underpaid. And Francis, I believe those three guys feel they're being uh, underpaid, which they probably are. AJ has the best shot to make the most money because he can get a bunch of sponsorships being in Bellator. Like I always say this as well. If you want a legacy, you go to the UFC because that's where the best fighters are. But if you want money, you stay out of the UFC because your incentive is money. It's not being known as the best, and which is fine. It's fine because money is what provides for you. It puts food on your table. If you're smart with your money, you can invest it into a bunch of other things and have very good businesses. But again, if you want a legacy, you go to UFC. For now, for now, if you want a legacy, you go to the UFC. If you want money, you can, there, there's ways to make money outside of the UFC while still doing MMA. Will you be considered the best? Frankly, probably not. Can you make good money? Yes, you can. Like, I I know this fighter, well, I don't know her personally, I messed up, okay, I'm not going to tell you her name, but I don't know her personally, but somebody that does know her, I overheard them saying that she was offered to be on the UFC um, flyweight. Ultimate fighter for the flyweight belt, but she declined them because she's making so much money in Bellator. She's like, no, no, thank you So You guys are probably gonna be able to figure out who I'm talking about I gave you so many clues right now. I was not gonna say where she was fighting, but I just did I'm not gonna repeat it But so there are ways to make money outside the UFC is my point So, let's keep an eye on this new MMA promotion. So, what's next for AJ? I believe he's going to fight for the the Bellator lightweight belt. Actually, hold on. Scratch that. I believe he's going to go into contract negotiations. If they can't figure it out, he's going to go fight. And then go back into contract negotiations if they can't figure it out. He's going to go fight. And like he's going to play this game, which is smart on him, right? And then, because there are rumblings that he wants to jump to the UFC. And I'm going to tell you this. If AJ somehow becomes a champ champ and is able to jump to the UFC undefeated, can we give him a title shot right away? I mean, that has to merit something, right? Like, Or at least the top three guy. Throw him into the deep end. I would want to see him get a title shot right away, but not a lot of people would probably agree with me and would probably want to see him fight a couple guys, but if you ask me if he becomes a champ champ and jumps ship to the UFC, give him a title shot right away in my opinion. Let's get into some current events. I was looking at them. There weren't too many good ones, but let's see. Let's see. Oh, wait. Let's see. Well, this is, we'll use this as one of the current events. Demetrius Johnson returns December 5th for a special rules bout versus Muay Thai champ, raw tag, Jim Moon. Demetrius will try something new for his return to combat. Johnson, the former UFC flyweight champion, has signed on to compete at 1X on December 5th against Muay Thai champ, Raw Tag in a special rules match. The contest is set for four three minute rounds alternating between Muay Thai and MMA rules. The fight will start under Muay Thai rules and will switch with MMA for the following rounds. Wait, so you're telling me they're going to fight four rounds but only one round is going to be Muay Thai? That's pretty nuts. Demetrius would have the advantage, right, because hypothetically he would defend, defend, defend in the first round, and then once the second round comes, just take him down and beat him down, right? That's what I would think. but who knows man that's interesting i want to see this fight because this raw tag guy is no joke that guy will fight anybody like they hit him and he just walks through them bro like there's this video out there of him like a dude is just throwing bombs on him and he's just walking through them like nothing like nothing gary tonin is gonna also fight on this event so is former ufc contender john lineker He's actually fighting for the belt, and I guess Gary Tonin is also fighting for the belt. I don't really follow one uh, a lot because it's hard to watch. But these these guys are doing something special, man. December 5th, Demetrius Johnson returns for special rules belt versus Muay Thai champ Raw Tag. Can't wait. I'm definitely going to try to watch this. Let's try to get into some more current events. Oh, look. Citro Tong. Addresses struggle high-profile ex-UFC fighters have faced in one championship. Then, signing with one championship X, ex- ufc athletes Demetrius Johnson, Eddie Alvarez, and St. Northcutt have all faced their fair share of struggles while acclimating to a new promotion. The trio of fighters who all joined the organization in 2018 have amassed an overall record of 4-4, four and four, with one no contest along the way, with three of those wins coming from Johnson running, Johnson's run during the one flyweight championship world grand prix. Meanwhile, Alvarez has a win over former one champion Edward Fowlong, but then a TKO loss to Timofee Natisukin in his debut, along with a unanimous decision defeat to Ryu Ok in his last outing. As for Northcutt, his one debut ended in a disaster after he suffered multiple broken bones in his face following a first-round knockout to Cosmo Alexandre. He hasn't fought since then. The high-profile additions to one's roster helped the promotion raise his profile with fans primarily in the United States, but the results have definitely been mixed. Still one CEO Chatri Citro Tong has no regrets with his decision to sign former UFC fighters to his roster. If anything, Citroton believes the losses have by prominent UFC veterans only proves that the promotion is filled with elite athletes, even if some of their names aren't well-known outside of Asia. We made an investment in several UFC superstars like Sage, like Eddie, like DJ, like Yushin Okami, a bunch of UFC guys. They've all got knocked out, Tong told MMA Fighting. Rude Awakening, I think, is just a testament to the level of competition. I generally believe that the best roster in the world is one and the UFC depending on weight class. I do believe the UFC has a better heavyweight class, so the heavyweight and light heavyweight divisions, but I generally believe the lightweight and below one would dominate in any organization in the world. We're seeing that. Now it must be noted that due to weight cut regulations insinuated by one championship, the divisions the divisions there are different than the counterparts in the U.S. based promotion like the UFC or Bellator. Okay, hold on. To say that they have the best lightweight and below weight class, come on, Chatri, really? No, you don't. I bet you Islam will beat half of those guys by himself. I bet you Nate would beat half of those guys by themselves. What else does it go on to say? For instance, flyweight title fights in the U.S. take place at 125 pounds or below. but an attempt to curb extreme weight cutting one design, a 135 pound weight limit their flyweight division the same can be said for every weight class across the promotion of course once they employs all major weight classes as well as additional divisions not currently featured in promotions like the UFC which means fighters like Johnson could technically compete at straw weight at 125 pounds yeah like that's that is a big thing right so to put it in perspective You could be fighting at bantam weight, but weighing in at a hundred and forty-five pounds, like in the UFC, that's featherweight. So think of it this way: and if one, if they're saying they're fighting at lightweight, they're probably weighing as high as one sixty-five, which would be super lightweight. And then welterweight. They're probably weighing in at 180, which is closer to middleweight. You know what I mean.
1: And then it goes on to
0: say, the biggest thing from fighting in the UFC to fighting over in Asia, they're just taller. Than Johnson told MMA Fighting, "In my time when I was fighting in the UFC, they were guys like Joseph Benavidez, John Dodson." Kiyoshi Haraguchi, guys who were about five foot three, five foot four. Now Adriano Moises, he's like five nine. Yuya is like five six. I'm just fighting taller guys. I've got to make sure that I'm making a lot more effort to cross the distance. I think... There are amazing athletes all over the world, not just in the UFC or One FC or Bellator or Rising. There are so many organizations across the world that just haven't gotten the chance to shine on the big stage. That's always been my viewpoint, even when I was in the UFC. Tong understands the natural bias when it comes to the UFC, especially in the United States, where the promotion holds the iron grip over the largest share of the MMA audience. That said, Tong doesn't believe that the talent level is all that different between the two promotions and all the only evidence he needs is seeing what's happening when he matches up some of the best fighters in the UFC against athletes in ONE ideally sitochang would love to cross promote with the UFC ideally fa- to face off with fights fights pitting the best of the best between two promotions but there's almost no chance that would ever actually happen. In the meantime, Tong will continue to show Prattin the roster one has built, and he expects Johnson, Alvarez, and Northcutt, and any other free agent additions to eventually find their way in the promotion. All right. Um, chatry, I don't, I can't agree that he has the best lightweight and bantamweight division all that stuff because look at what he's saying these guys are taller because the people fighting at flyweight they would fight in bantamweight in the UFC so Demetrius is essentially he's fighting at bantamweight which I, he didn't want to do in the UFC for whatever reason. Technically he's fighting at Bantamweight.
1: Let's do one more. And then you're going to hear me get angry. And then we're going to talk about Francis.
0: Justin Gaethje thinks Michael Chandler was just seeking attention with anti-vaccine comments. Justin Gaethje was never worried about whether his fight against Michael Chandler was in danger, and he questioned why Chandler invited any uncertainty in the first place. The two lightweights are scheduled to meet at UFC 268 on November 6th at Madison Square Garden in New York. Following the announcement of the fight, Chandler caused a minor stir last month when he said that the bout may be in jeopardy because of the new covid vaccination mandates implemented by the state of New York, which required Patreons to show proof of vaccination upon entering gyms, restaurants, and indoor entertainment venues. Chandler said that he will not be vaccinated and did not plan to be vaccinated by November 6. He initially noted that he was not going to get vaccinated until it was 100% FDA approved. However, he later backtracked those comments after the FDA approved several of the most common COVID-19 vaccines as it turns out, though, it didn't matter. New York's new vaccination mandate didn't apply to Chandler anyway, and Gaethje isn't sure why his opponent made such a big fuss over the situation to begin with. I thought he was just seeking attention, Gaethje said recently on UFC Unfiltered. At the end of the day, that's private information, for one. Like, You don't need to talk about that because they don't know why he's going to handle it. Gaethje is currently number th- the number three ranked lightweight in the MMA global rankings while Chandler sits at number five. Gaethje hasn't fought since his October 2020 title loss to former UFC champion Habib Nurmagomedov at UFC 254. However, he remains a top contender in the promotion since stacked 155 pound division and he's excited by the stakes he sees that could be up for grabs in his looming showdown with Chandler. I think before he fought Dan Hooker, coming from Bellator, there wasn't a lot that he brought to the table, Gagey said, of Chandler. But now, with knocking Dan Hooker out, having a great fight against Charles Oliveira, he's kind of proven he belongs here. And ultimately, for me, I need one win to fight for the title, to fight Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier. And that's my goal and this is a huge fight this is a dangerous fight he's super explosive athletic he's dangerous but I think I'm a it's a great matchup for me the mind games have already begun between the two men last month challenge challenge Gaethje in the comments of an Instagram post to meet him in the center of the cage at UFC 268 first eight. to take a step backwards is a timid soul, Chandler wrote. That was the quote I was looking for earlier. But Gaethje's reputation as the most exciting fighter in UFC history precedes him. He's not about to be swayed into meaningless pre-fight banter. He's not going to determine how I fight, Gaethje said. He says, the first one to take a step back is a timid soul. There's not one thing he could say that's going to affect me in that way that I approach this fight and I approach him. I will take a step backwards. He can shove it up his ass. We're going to see a timid soul when I start kicking him. And he's going to start shooting for the legs. Trying to wrestle me. That would be his definition of a bitch 100%. And that's what we'll see. I think midway through the first round. Ooh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ooh. I still think Chandler's going to win. Bro, I'm telling you. This should be a five round fight. The only reason it isn't, isn't, it's beyond me. It's beyond me why this is not a five-round fight. But this should be a five-round fight in my opinion. It's beyond me why it isn't, but okay. Now,
1: we're going to move on.
0: To so the trailer fights that happened this weekend. First and foremost, I want to say congratulations, to Anderson Silva. He proved that he will always be one of the combat goats. Not because he knocked out Tito, but because he, at forty-six years old, he was able to. I understand Chavez Jr. is probably not one of the, is not one of the best boxers in the world and stuff like that, but. Guy that that never done it or anything like that. And at 46 was able to hang with the dude that's fought legitimate competition like Canelo Alvarez. Congratulations. And then he knocks out Tito Ortiz in 81 seconds. Congratulations, Anderson. I can't wait to see what you do next. Please box Jake Paul. Okay. Okay. Now Where I am absolutely disgusted with trailer and the Florida State Athletic Commission is for the main event. I understand Oscar was the one that was supposed to fight Vitor, but Oscar got sick with COVID. Hopefully we'll see Oscar come back. Honestly, I don't want to see Oscar fight, but he wants to fight. I heard he's going to try to fight in September. and uh, de- By December. Where I am absolutely disgusted. Is that what with, with Triller did afterwards. And they asked Ev- Evander Holyfield to step in. First of all. Let's look at it bro. First of all let's look. At- Come with me. Like I'm going to tell you guys what I'm about to do. I'm going to look at. Vitor Belfort,
1: Chris Weidman,
0: pictures, type that in, type in Vitor Belfort, Chris Weidman pictures, look at his body, you can tell. That he wasn't on whatever he was, like, I know he was on TRT, but then it got banned, and then he wasn't on it anymore. And then, go, Vitor, Belfort, Evander Holyfield,
1: Pictures. Bro, look how much bigger Vitor is.
0: Like, look at their face off. Look at their face. Do you guys see how ripped he is compared to when he fought? I mean, he still looked pretty in pretty good shape when he fought Chris Weidman, but you can tell there's a difference. He looks way smaller. Vitor looks way bigger. Even his face has muscles that he didn't have in in the Chris Weidman picture. Like, what are you doing, Triller? And then I'm going to read you Rose Gracie's statement that she was kind enough to allow me to read. Thank you, Rose. I meant what I said. If if you ever need any help and I can help in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out. This is Rose Gracie's statement. And she's an advocate about CTE and all that stuff. She's the daughter of Horion. She's the sister of Henner, who's the coach of Brian Ortega. So here's her statement sorry I I was ranting and then we're gonna end on the Francis thing so this thing and then the Francis thing this is her statement I thought about this for the last couple of days so much over and over again this KO was coming to my mind so here are some scary things about this that I would like to share Holyfield was trying to get sanctioned to fight for the last 10 years and no athletic commission in the USA or abroad would grant him this sanction. Last minute, De La Hoya pulls out of the fight due to sickness and they need a last minute replacement. So they go to Holyfield and against his family's wishes, he takes the fight. The California Athletic Commission refused to sanction him, so they moved it to Florida. First of all, Andy Foster, I commend you. You are the man. This fight should have never happened. The statement goes on to say, the Florida State Athletic Commission and these ignorant criminals, well, I lost it. These ignorant criminals sanctioned him and the fight moves forward to Florida. The fight moves on to Florida. I wasn't aware that Holyfield looked this bad at all. And I was disgusted by this whole thing. I believe that this is one of the, the cases that someone is clearly showing major physical signs of CTE and still, and is still getting sanctioned to fight for these money-hungry, negligent promoters to make money. I hope that families start to sue these athletic commissions, trainers, promoters, and coaches for these criminal activities using these defenseless souls. Criminal negligence CTE she's right she's right because where was his version of Mark Breeland like a lot of people give Mark Breeland shit because he stopped the Deontay Wilder fight for those who don't know what I'm talking about the Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury the rematch he's the one that threw in the towel because he felt tight Deontay was getting his he was getting hurt and he he didn't want to see his man get suffer any more than what he had to. Where was that guy, Free Holyfield? Huh? Tell me. You can't tell me because there was nobody there. And the guys that I don't even want to say their name because I'm scared of getting sued. The guys at Triller, you guys are disgusting, okay? Because you go on the mic and you start saying thirty million for Canelo, twenty million for Jake Paul because you're hurt. That Jake Paul. Gave you guys the finger and went to Showtime to box for Al Heyman. Because Al Heyman probably showed him a shit ton of money. Okay. And then part of me is mad. And then second of all, they lied. Okay, Triller lied to everybody. But they're, 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 they're safe behind the fact that it says card is subject to change without notice. Because they sold the Anderson Silva and Tito Ortiz fight as legit fights. But then the day after, they go, oh, no, they were just exhibition fights. Bro, if they're exhibition fights, why don't you put headgear on Evander Holyfield at least? You're going to come at me with saying, well, Mayweather and Logan Paul didn't need headgear. Dude, that dude is 40 and the other dude's 20-something. This man is 58 years old. Why didn't this guy have headgear? And why didn't you guys tell, not tell Vitor, dude, don't blitz him? Don't blitz him. Did you guys see when he tripped? But no. Good on you, Rose. You're gonna always have a friend in me, because this this is disgusting, disgusting. But I'm, again, I'm telling you, I'm mad because then afterwards they go on the mic. Thirty million for Jake. No, twenty million for Jake, thirty million for Canelo, like what shut up you know- you know what? you know what the sad thing about this is that if that fight happens, I would want Jake Paul to win just because I don't like these guys from trailers. It's not that I don't like them, they pissed me off. And then Evander Holyfield goes, they stopped it too soon. What? No, they didn't, bro. First of all, whoever was in this corner should have thrown in that towel. I'm mad at the corner, honestly. Because you have to save the fighter from himself. And I understand, I'm not accusing Vitor of doing anything because I'm pretty sure Evander Holyfield was on something too because he looks great for his age. And like Michael Bisping says, you don't look that good at his age unless you're doing something. But come on, man. The dude is 58 years old.
1: Hey. We're going to end on this. We're going to end on this.
0: Here's what I believe is going on with Francis and Ganu. So, Francis won the bell. I want to say March. 24th of last year.
1: Let's say March 20th, I'm looking it up to be sure, but for right now, let's say March 24th.
0: And then after that, Siro Gon beats Volkov, and then he fights. He won the bell on March twenty seventh. Okay, so after that, Gon beats Volkov. He beats Rose's Strike, and he goes on this hair like, "Oh, we gotta look out for this guy." And then originally, we all heard that Francis was gonna end up fighting Derek Lewis, hopefully in August.
1: Okay. And then out of left field
0: We get Cito Gunn versus Derek Lewis for August for the interim heavyweight belt. So I reached out to friends' as manager when this was all going down and I asked him what happened. He goes. Accepted a fight for September, and the UFC went on and booked the interim title fight. Okay. In my mind, I'm going okay. They they wanted to build Gun versus Francis Ngannou at first. At first, right. So this fight happened. Bam. Ciro looks great. He He made a believer out of me. Because I thought Derguez was going to go in there and wreck him. But Ciro looked great. So bam, Ciro's the champion. I'm like, oh, now they're going to build UFC France. Because, you know, MMA just got legalized in France. France is doing this whole thing with COVID. That's going to allow people in the country. Yada, yada, yada. And then time goes on. Time goes on. Time goes on. And then... I had already learned about the champ rule a few weeks prior, but then I I had an epiphany, right? Like a snap went off went off in my head. I go, what if Francis is in the champ rule? And he's trying to get more money. And he's just letting time run out. So The UFC cards for the rest of the year are booked already. If Francis Ngannou isn't the champ rule, he's got three months left. Because the the rest of the year is already booked. What I can confirm to you is Francis has verbally agreed to fight Cyril in January or February. No ink to paper yet, but he has verbally said, I will fight Cirogan in January or February. That's step one. Again, he might still be in the champ rule. The reason I think this is because I believe he's holding out. He's betting it all on himself, bro. He's going, well, I'll fight this guy. If I beat him, I just took out the interim champ. If what I'm telling you is true, Francis Ngannou will become one of the biggest stars in all of UFC. Because he fought for what he believed in and he just didn't stay content. He believed he, he's worth more money. And I'm going to give you guys another little nugget. He's represented by CAA. You know who did a similar move that is also represented by CAA? His name is George St. Pierre. Going into this fight with John Finch, he wasn't going to resign. And he waited and waited and waited and waited until the UFC came back with this crazy contract that he couldn't refuse. He said this story about three weeks ago or like about a few months ago. So I believe... Francis Ngannou is betting it all on himself because if he loses, he has no leverage. If he wins, he has all the leverage. He's betting on himself and I believe he's in the champ's clause because when I asked his manager in his Instagram live the other day, his manager said, I can't really talk about that. When I asked the UFC about it, they told me the contracts are confidential. So I am sticking to my guns that Francis Ngannou is in champ's clause right now. Do I know that for a fact? No. Do I have a good feeling about it? Yes. And he is betting it all on himself. And we're going to see it come to... It's either He's either going to make it all worth it or he gambled on himself and he loses. Can you imagine he wins? It's like his life is already stuffed you out of a movie. Can you imagine he wins? He'll be one of the biggest stars in all of UFC history, bro. But that's all I got for you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Remember the fights I got. I got Anthony Smith. Young Kutislava. And Joaquin Buckley. And then for Bellator I got. Shoel Romero. And Niem Gracie, Gracie. And Sal Rogers. And Alejandra Laura. Alright, deuces, guys. Enjoy the fights this weekend. I'll see you guys later. I'm Adrian. Peace out.